Hi, I'm Frank D. Felice. And I'm Jim Cassis. We both have been nurses for over 25 years. The thing is, Jim and I have spent almost our entire careers in the operating room. And there's much more to nursing than just the operating room. The nursing profession is a widely diverse field. Yeah, Jim, with many specialty areas. There's the ER, pediatrics, hospice, school nurse, the list goes on and on. We are on a mission to explore the nursing profession. That's why we created our show, Real Talk with Real Nurses. This journey will take us out of the OR and out into the nursing community. Our show is driven by interviews with nurses who describe what they do, how they do it, and share their personal stories. So welcome to Real Talk with Real Nurses. Or as we like to call it, The Jim and Frank Show! And that too, yeah. <laughs> Another episode of Real Talk with Real Nurses coming right up. Welcome to Real Talk with Real Nurses. I'm Frank D. Felice. And I'm Jim Cassis. Uh, welcome to the Nurse Anesthetist Show. Uh, first off, you should know that nurse anesthetists are also called CRNAs, which is Certified Registered Nurse Anesthetist. You guys also have names like advanced practical or practice nurse, hyphen A for anesthesia, specified area. And Jim, do you have a yeah, so, uh, internet <clears throat> definition for us? Yeah, for our viewers, we have a definition of what a nurse anesthetist is. So nurse anesthetists are advanced practice nurses responsible for administering anesthesia and monitoring patients during surgeries and other procedures. Due to their specialized skill set, they are experts in critical care and airway management. All right, with that, we're going to welcome our guests. We have Chris Chilacco and Helen McGuire, both yeah. real live nurse anesthetists. Frank, we couldn't get the dead nurses for <laughs> the no, Halloween? Dead <laughs> ones were not available. All right, all right. So we're going to start with you, Chris. We just want you to talk about uh, your background, how you got to become a, a CRNA, and how long you've been working, and then we'll go to Helen. Uh, well, I worked as a ICU nurse um, on a heart transplant unit um, a while back. <laughs> <laughs> After I did that, um, well, things were changing there. Uh, the, the patient ratios were changing, and they were trying to push a little bit more patience on a nurse. Uh, so I decided to make a move, and I made a move to... Um, the emergency department and trauma unit and stroke unit. And so uh, it was fun. It was a huge learning experience. Um, but um, having worked there five years, <clears throat> things started getting similar. Mm -hmm. And um, they were you changing. You mean you got bored? Well, no, not boring. It was never boring. Okay. Um, but... Uh, uh, management was making changes in the emergency department and expanding it and changing things and patients in the hallway mm. um, and trauma and stroke. So it was getting dicey. Yeah. And a friend of mine went, started anesthesia school and um, she was a year ahead of me and kind of just pushed me. You should go. You should go. You would like it. You would like it. 
so that's kind of what got me over the hump. And how many years have you been a nurse anesthetist? Uh, so I graduated in 2004, so 18, 18 right. years. Okay, very good. And Helen, you're uh, much younger, Yeah, right? I'm, the, <laughs> I'm the rookie of the group. I'm the youngest in the group. Yeah. And your background didn't start out in nursing at all, right? No, nursing was my second uh, career. I, I uh, have a degree in journalism and um, psychology from Rutgers. And I could only wait tables with that degree. Right. So I was a waitress for a while. And then I went back for nursing. Um, and then I was a nurse for about four years before I went into CRNA school. Did you always have the idea to go to CRNA or did no, you? No, actually when I first became a nurse, I didn't even know what a CRNA was. I wasn't even aware of that as a profession. And it wasn't until I started working in critical care that I came into contact with CRNAs, dropping off patients from the operating room in the ICU. And my colleagues, um, because sometimes when you're in a, in a critical care unit, you'll have people studying for interviews for CRNA school right. or looking into it. And I had some colleagues that were reading about it and they're like, oh, you should look into this. And I'm like, oh, what are you reading over there? Oh, I have an interview for CRNA school. And I'm like, wow. Um, that's kind of how I got introduced to it. But as a new nurse, and especially as a journalism major, I didn't even have any clue what a CRNA was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, how long have you been a CRNA? Two years. Two, Two years. years this past October. So, okay. so just out of curiosity for our viewers, uh, Chris, can you tell us about your uh, program to become a CRNA? Versus, then we can ask Helen so people can see maybe how it's changed oh, over sure. the years. Uh, well, the program, um, I went to Villanova, mm -hmm. and we had, we started with, Lankinall Hospital as our clinical oh, site. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. But that immediately changed. Like, after, after the first semester, before we even started our clinical, um, our school then connected up with Crozier Chester Medical Center in um, Upland, uh, Pennsylvania. So, um, so we had the first year, I think... Was. Think back, Chris. <laughs> Think back. Was we're going to have a special hard. little swirly effect. <laughs> I know, right? It was like straight up um, school. Mm. And um, some of the courses were done at the hospital at Chester Crozier, and some of the courses were through Villanova because we had to have a certain amount of credits through the college to get our master's degree. Right. So uh, that's pretty much how the program went. We, it was an 18 month program at that time. 18 months, okay. And um, yeah, so we graduated with the master's in anesthesia and then our clinical hours also matched that. Okay, and we'll get into the new way or the newest way with you, Helen, later on in the. Uh, sure. Did you have to take boards or anything? When we finished, yes, yes, we took um, uh, our boards to get certified as a nurse anesthetist, okay. which of course you had to pass. Right. right. And did you do all your clinicals at Lankenau? Oh no! So no, you clinicals were everywhere. Oh, okay. Clinicals, maybe you did. Well, if you were in your pediatric rotation, which wasn't until like far into your um, second year 
then you went to a children's hospital probably, oh. and um, and you might spend three month sections at a different hospital. Yeah, so you traveled. Yeah, yeah. All right, Jim, um, you have some uh, demographics for us, some statistics. Yeah, Frank. Frank likes demographics and statistics, so. Uh, well, so I find it. He finds it interesting. I find it interesting because <laughs> I looked at statistics and demographics about my own yeah. career yeah. and was shocked yeah. at it. And a lot of people don't study their own statistics. Yeah. So mm -hmm. this is this would be news for you uh, guys. Just found Helen. out how much you're right. making, how much you should be making. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> <All right. laughs> so uh, these demographics, uh, these statistics came from the U.S. Board of uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, 2021. So currently in the U.S., there are 43,950 nurse anesthetists. Did you know that? I thought no. it was very, a little more. But you're very, you're okay. very, you're very, knew, very specialized. Every, every website you look at, there's slightly different, different answers. But, you look at the surveys and but stuff. This but this is this is why we use the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Correct. So the average age of a nurse anesthetist is 44 years old. We're not asking anybody their ages, Chris. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, note for comparison, the average age of an RN in the U.S. is uh, <clears throat> 52 years old. Yeah. <clears throat> the median salary of a nurse anesthetist in the U.S. is $202,470 annually, or $97 an hour. Uh, note for comparison, median salary for an RN in the U.S. is $77,600 uh, annually, or $37.31 an hour. And the top four states for median salaries of nurse anesthetists, uh, Connecticut is $276,540. New Jersey, 263,850. Illinois, 250,280. West Virginia, $247,650. Uh, industries and places where the highest levels of employment for our nurse anesthetists are, uh, offices of physicians, uh, 23,270 are employed there. Uh, general Medical and Surgical Hospitals, 13,990. Uh, offices of other health care, whatever, whatever other health practitioners mean, 2,670. Outpatient care centers, 2,260. And college universities and professional schools, 960. Some other demographics for the U.S. for a nurse anesthetist for 2021, 63.9% of anesthetists are women, 36.1% of anesthetists are men. So note for comparison that <clears throat> there are uh, three times as many uh, nurses that are male in anesthesia versus uh, just what a regular uh, proportion of a regular nurses. So it's 12% of registered nurses are male in total and 36% of anesthetists are Males and anesthesia. So, what, what do you guys think is the reason that there's so many more males? Actually, I thought it might be more men in anesthesia. They are it's three times as but many. But I mean, more I than that. that. You, you thought it was higher. Yeah. Yes. I think um, personally, I think it's because the pay scale is high, and um, that's what I think because yeah. it's more money than any other. Advanced practice. You too, Helen. Or I would agree, and I think um, I think that men, women. This this might be a little. I, I don't know. You you can disagree. This is just my opinion. Right. But in the nursing field, women tend to be kind of like more motherly, 
But in the OR, your patients are asleep. And I feel like you sometimes lose that You don't need the connection. nurturing component. You no, know, no, that's not what I'm saying. But, you know, it's a little more... More compassion, maybe? Yeah, I just think you're moving away from that coddling. Not that we don't coddle in anesthesia, because we certainly do. We use ver verbal anesthesia every day. But, yeah, you're moving away, and it's more of an independent... Um, job, you know, yeah. you're, you're by yourself, you're taking the bull by the horns, like maybe a little more masculine in that right. regard. So the, right. the, indep that the independence. I don't want to, I don't want to yeah. sound. Yeah, the independence. Exactly. Which right. brings us to the next question, which you guys are hitting on. Why did you decide to choose nursing, this uh, specialty, nurse anesthetist, as your career? Chris, start with you. Uh, well. Why did, you know, you, get, you hinted on a little bit. It, things were getting a little... It's nice to have one patient. I mean, you guys work in the OR, too. One patient at a time. That's it's, our pro, yeah. It's quality care, 100% right there. Focused on one. And uh, that's a thing. That's a thing. It's challenging. Um, you practice independently, and you practice with one patient. Okay. Yeah. You can't beat it, really. And, Helen, why did you uh, choose... Nurse, well, anesthetist. Uh, I was burnt out in the ICU. I was very burnt out in a And you were only there for? Three years. Right. Um, Doesn't take long sometimes. You know, it was a very physically demanding job. Um, we were removing morbidly obese patients. We were taking on more patients than we probably should have. And so I was looking for um, a new profession, and I wanted to go back to school. And like I said, some of my colleagues were studying, and... And I heard the pay was pretty great. You know, that was also a factor. So um, it seemed to me like the transition from, at least where I worked at UPenn, was from ICU to, to if you were going to go back to school, most of my colleagues that were, were going back to CRNA school. So they definitely influenced me in that way. Okay. And the pay definitely helped oh, push I, I, me in that direction. Right. I, I initially <laughs> went into VNRN. For nurse anesthesia. Oh, yeah. But I had a, a one-year-old, a six-year-old. I got through that. I went to uh, Stockton. I, I finished. I was in my second year doing well. And I just said, I, you know, it's just too much raising kids. And, it's you know, a lot, yeah. 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 But anyway. Uh, it's never so, too late, Frank. Uh, it is. When, 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 you're, when you're 59, Helen, it's too late. Yes. I, I, think we, I think we had an 80-year-old guy in our nursing class. Oh, yeah. my God. And he no was doing way. It, but he was doing it for the fun of it. For the fun of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe I'll go to nurse anesthesia school for the fun of it. But, uh, anyway, so on the Internet, you know, just looking around, uh, we have a generic or pretty close to what it takes to become a CRNA. And I'll let Helen, because I didn't let you finish before, uh, since you most recently went through the ringers here. Uh, you need your BSN, then you have to sit for your NCLEX and uh, get, be licensed RN. Uh, you t I'm you sorry, need Frank, what's the NCLEX? The nursing board for RN. Okay. Our viewers may not know that. I apologize to the viewers. <laughs> All right, so uh, one, <laughs> and then it's one to three years uh, RN experience in ICU or critical care, and then you have to apply for acceptance into an accredited nurse anesthetist program, and then you have to pass the uh, nurse certification exam for CRNA, and they say this whole process takes about seven to ten years. 
if you're going from the beginning, like you were already in critical care, mm -hmm. so you had a little bit of a jump. Right. So, Helen, if you want to speak to any any insight more onto that, or is sure. that pretty much it? Yeah, I'll add to that. Um, okay. So, depending on the school that you're applying to, some schools require more ICU experience than others. So, some you can get away with just one year in the ICU. Some may require two to three. Okay. Some schools are requiring um, that you take the what's the exam the I can't think of it right now. The GRE. The GRE. Mm -hmm. Some schools are requiring the GRE. What's the GRE? It's like your college exit exam. It, it essentially is proof that you have like a college education. So it's, it's for a very it's general. It's an exam for grad schools, I, I believe it is. Entrance yes. to grad school. Yes. Right. Correct. Okay. Yeah, but it's very general. It's not right. just science right. focused. So it's just grad yeah. school, right. So some schools are requiring that. And then um, there's an interview process. And I, I, I don't want to glaze over that at all because it's very important. The interview, at least for me, the interviews are very intense. Uh, some of them are recorded. You sometimes have a panel interviewing you, and it's a huge part of getting accepted or not into a CRNA program. Your hair has to be just right. Your hair is on point. <laughs> and why, why, Your why wardrobe. Is, why is it such a big part of it, Ellen? I think that when you're interviewing, they want to get a feel for your level of experience. You're getting mm -hmm. asked questions about... Uh, scenarios, you know, for, for example, uh, they handed me an EKG strip and they said, oh, okay. interpret this EKG and how would you treat that? You know, so, and they want to know what's the sickest patient you've taken care of? Why were they the sickest? And what types of drugs were you, were you giving them? And, you know, what was the outcome? How did that patient yeah. do? Um, and they want to get a feel for your personality. Right. You get asked questions about ethics. They give you ethical scenarios, you know, what would you do if a patient's family member came and they had a religious concern? How would you handle it? Right. Um, integrity, they want to they know that you're, you know, you're a good, you're a good person. Right. Right. And then your personality, too. They ask you, every interview I've done, they ask you, what do you do to relieve stress? What do you do in your free time? And what are your hobbies? You know, they want you right. to show that you're a well-rounded person right. that has a life outside of work. You know, right. so well, most huge part is the well, interview. Well, most, program, <laughs> most programs, especially if there's limited seats, they, they don't want to waste and have somebody drop out after a year. You know? Yeah. So competition is heavy then. If there's a very, limited amount of seats. Very yes. much. Mm -hmm. It's highly, highly competitive. And I would add to that that when you're applying, in addition to the interview, they're going to look at your undergraduate uh, nursing GPA. So when you graduated as an RN, that's, that's something that's heavily weighted for your acceptance. They're right. going to see, do you have a 3.5 and above? That's kind of what you're looking right. for. So right. I would suggest anyone that's looking, right. if you're in nursing school now, right. if you're looking for any graduate right. program, really, make sure you keep your GPA up right. so if you're planning to go right. for an advanced yeah. nursing so, so that underwater basket weaving is not going to count. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no not, not, in, not in CRNA school. All right, and then I just wanted to mention a special note. You guys are also advanced nurse, advanced practice nurses, hyphen A for anesthesia specializing. And for people out there, I mean, me and Jim were on the computer. It's very confusing the nurse, advanced nurse, advanced practice nurse, a whole thing the way it goes. And we just wanted to mention that that's just one type of an advanced practice nurse, and that there is like. Uh, certified nurse midwives, nurse practitioners with many subcategories, yes. uh, clinical nurse specialists, and then, of course, your category. So uh, just because you have so many names. 
I figured I'd just put I, it out there. It wasn't that long ago. Didn't they grandfather, because not everybody's programs were the same. They That's grand, true. Mm -hmm. They yes. grandfathered a lot of nurses who were, quote, unquote, just CRNAs <laughs> to nurse practitioner, because I, I think New Jersey required that you had to be a nurse practitioner to practice. Well, I think uh, initially when the anesthesia program was for nurses, you didn't have to have your master's. So they've changed that, and I think even now, since you, you have to have your doctorate, or did you? Do you have your yeah, doctorate? So CRNA programs, we're in actually like a transition phase right now. Uh, all schools by the year 2025, that was what they told mm -hmm. us when I was in school, need to be a doctor of nursing practice when, wow. you, when you graduate mm -hmm. as a CRNA. Yeah. So there are a lot of schools in the transition period. They're in their first year of being a DNP, or they're... Kind of everyone's kind of fumbling through. Uh, I did a DNP program, but I have colleagues who were their school wasn't uh, requiring it to be a DNP. So for the for the long history of the career, it's been at just a master's, and now by 2025, you'll have to have a doctorate. It's a good thing you guys program. are making two hundred and sixty three thousand eight hundred and fifty dollars a year. Well, might have yes. to go up if you're doctors. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You're saying, you know, it's a lot of education. All right, Jim. So, um, before I ask my next question, not to get too far away from that, is now they're going to want nurse anesthetists to become doctors of... of anesthesia. Anesthesia nursing. Mm -hmm. um, why do you think that is? Um, I, I mean, I can tell you just from what I learned... Um, I think they want nurse anesthetists and all advanced practice nurses because there are DNP programs for nurse practitioners as well right now. I think they want nursing to play a more active role in making changes in the hospital in, in an educated way uh, in terms of doing research to you know change hospital policy, for example. And a big component of the doctorate is research. And you know you have a research project, you write essentially a thesis. It's not really a thesis because that's what you write for a PhD, but it's similar. And I think they want us to have a, a voice and, and an educated voice. You know, I have a degree. I know how to research. I know how to read research papers and look at data and interpret data. And then as nurses, we're prepared to enter the field and make changes, you know, and that's Which kind is of really what, a, what they, what a they, full circle kind of thing because sure. hospitals used to be run by doctors and, and nurses, and then we've gotten away with that, and they were all run by business people. Of course, they destroyed healthcare and every other. Uh, I won't go my anti corporate rant. That's another and show, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you're stepping all over my lines. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's like they're looking at that again, like that actually is the answer that they, you know, we should be running our hospitals, I you know. Mean, we're, we're the largest how, the group in the hospital, right? right. Yeah, it's exactly. It's all nurses. And, yeah. and we're run by a guy with an MBA, you know, like, come on. I mean, just saying. All right. That was an interesting overview of what it takes to become a uh, nurse anesthetist. So uh, next question we'd like to ask our specialist here our guest. Um, Chris, what do you like about your specialty? And then we'll go to Helen. Oh, that's a good question, Jim. I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I, I love the autonomy. 
and uh, I, I enjoy getting to know my patient for the small amount of time that I'm taking care of them. Uh, and it's challenging every day. There's something new and different. You never know everything always. Um, yeah, I have a good relationship with the doctors and other nurses that I work with. And um, it's exciting. It's, it's just a really nice, it's a really good field. I love my job. What, yeah. what about you, Helen? I would agree. I like the autonomy as well. Um, being able to kind of get through the day with no one. I make all the decisions for the most part. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Um, and I always tell my patients, you know, my job is like bartending. I listen to people's problems and I take their pain away. <laughs> That's what I do all day. You know, you meet them, they have a problem, and I'm going to help you fix it. It's rewarding. Um, patients come in and they're scared, and it's definitely, you know, a great feeling to be able to ease their fear with drugs sometimes, but also by just talking to them and take away their pain, yeah, and help them get through, which is often like a pretty traumatizing time if they're having a procedure or a major surgery. They're scared, and um, you know we get to help with that. Right. Do you put That's a little the tip, best part? Do you put a little tip jar in your anesthesia machine? I, or? Of course, <laughs> just like a bartender, <laughs> just like a bartender. Yeah, and and I would also agree. I want to add that it's the whole nursing profession. You never stop learning, um, and it's no different being a CRNA. Every day is a new, brand new day. Every challenge is uh, every patient's a new challenge, and I'm always asking my colleagues. You know. For Maybe advice and <laughs> yeah, and, and and my colleagues ask me, which I'm always impressed by. You know, yeah. hey Helen, like, I'm like, what are you asking me for? I, I just got here, <laughs> right. but you know, maybe I took care of that patient yesterday, and they hadn't right. taken care of that patient for a long right. time. You know, we ask each other, we help each other, we teach each other. So, right. I like that. So patients get a lot more personalized yes. care. I think uh, so. And you're able to discuss that with your uh, your colleagues. Sure. All right, so now we know what you like about your job. What do you dislike about your specialty? Why don't we go with Helen first? What, what are the cons? What are the yeah. cons? Um, I would say autonomy is a pro, but it can also be a con, right? Because, you know, for example, just the other day, it was 3 o'clock and I saw Chris. I didn't even know she was there. You know, I, I don't really see my colleagues all day long because you're in an OR by yourself, and I could go a couple of days and maybe not even see Chris unless we're in the, the lounge having lunch together. Um, so you're kind of on an island. In the OR we do work as a team, but the anesthetist is kind of on an anesthesia island, right? Like there's not really someone with me the whole day taking care of the patient in terms of the anesthetic. Yeah. It's like they got the so, big beef, beach you know, mansion. We, we're in the huts, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, but that can, be, that can be a good thing. But sometimes you can see how that could be a con. You know, you're kind of right. there sometimes on your you, own. Sometimes you just want to be in a hut. Right. <laughs> yeah. You, um, you I, I guess you don't have that immediate... Um, Supported interaction that you get if you were working. Right, throughout right. the whole day. Throughout the day. Yeah, of course right. I have my anesthesiologist right. who I can consult at any time. Right. And they're often coming in the room a lot. But for the most part, you're kind of by yourself, right. which can be a con. And um, 
Yeah, I can't think of any anything else. Uh, what about call? Call uh, the because call? I think that's something the audience. I I I, I know that we got to make them aware. In PACU OR, the nurse, operating so a, room, right? You make a commitment to say a hospital. Mm-hmm. That's a commitment. Call is a big big commitment. And go ahead. I don't mean to cut you off. Sure. So staffing and call and shift length is is all dependent upon the facility where you work. Um, now you can choose to sign a contract that has great hours and you that's the great thing about our profession is you can go anywhere and pick your hours if you choose but some places are going to have requirements 12-hour shifts 16-hour shifts some places require CRNAs to do 24-hour in-house shifts Um, our requirement where we are now in our group is for me at least my contract is five calls per month Um, you know so but Again, you can choose a job that doesn't have a call requirement, right? Or you surgery depends. center, physician. You could work office. at a surgery center. You could do only outpatient Monday to Friday, no nights, no weekends, no holidays. Yeah, it depends. But um, it can be a burden because um, you know you're you're on call on a Saturday, for example. We do call from home, which is great, but you know you can't really go anywhere because you could get called in at any time, um, or you could be in the hospital doing a 12-hour shift, and you're there until 7 p.m. Which, But um, I think we're lucky because there are so many places and roles as an anesthetist that your, your hours can be really flexible, you know? You, can't, you don't have to limit yourself. Okay. Chris, what, what don't you like about your job? <laughs> or what are the cons? It's what are the better, cons? Better said. Well... Mostly the cons are pretty much what Helen has said, Mm -hmm. Um, but they can also be the pros too. So Mm -hmm. you might want to do a 24 and two eights and then you're done for four days. Uh, Or you might want to do a 24 and 16 and then you have five days Mm -hmm. off. But if it's not your choice and you sign a contract and you're doing that, and you don't like it, then that makes it a con. So, you know, you can. You can work anywhere in the United States as a CRNA. You can go to the Midwest and make 300000 a year because no one wants to go there. Um, or you can work in a cushy community hospital and make a little less because you're doing a easier cases and um, and not requiring lots of monitoring and stuff like that. So, you know, it's all depends what you want to do. And, a lot um, of choices, which is a, a lot pro, of choices. Which is so many choices, yeah. Okay. Uh, how about the malpractice insurance? Is that something your company pays for you? Or? I just figure you guys have such more. We have malpractice insurance, but... You guys have higher, you know, obviously your responsibilities are much greater than ours. I would imagine that malpractice insurance, is that something that's affordable and not a problem? Uh, malpractice insurance is fairly inexpensive. Okay. Uh, usually be- if you go to work as a W-2 employee, it's paid for by your group or the hospital you're working okay. for. Okay. I just was wondering about that. Yeah. I just figured it. But does that cover your group or you personally? You personally. 
And some people choose to get additional malpractice insurance on top of what their company or hospital provides. Mm -hmm. It's kind of optional. Right. Um, I personally don't have extra on top of what our company provides, but it's an option right. if you choose. Okay. Just curious about that. Um, so I guess the next question is, and we're almost ready to wrap it up. You guys have done good so far. <laughs> uh, what do you think lies in the future of your specialty? I mean, think just five, ten years in the future. If you have an answer, you may not have one. But uh, what do you think things are going to look like for CRNAs uh, in the future? Do you see any trends that... I sort of do. What do you see? Because... What do you see, Chris? We've got... Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, the crystal ball, yeah. I was just looking for it. <laughs> If you oh, wait a minute, have, right next to the broomstick over there. <laughs> if you have CRNAs needing their doctorate <clears throat> and you're, you're raising the bar, you're raising the bar and it changes everything. So it's going to so change Decrease the, interest. the environment of, of how doctors, surgeons... CRNA doctors interact with each other, okay. how changes are made in the systems and healthcare. And I see it's such a dynamic time. And I think it's going to be awesome, just great. Or, like Helen says, input in making policy. Yeah, policy. Like You're a doctor. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, so that's good. And making it more serious. I mean, nurses sometimes get a bad rap. Because, uh, you know, Florence Nightingale, who was awesome, but was also... <laughs> you can see her card in the nurse back. You don't talk with real nurses, ladies and gentlemen. But was also seen as the caregiver. Mm -hmm. and, and really to be taken seriously as a nurse... It's, that's got to shift. You should be more looked at as a practitioner. Yes, you know. you're a professional... Right. provider of whatever you're providing, yeah, for all nurses. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just to let you know, the Florence Nightingale was very headstrong, <laughs> very take charge. She was and a she told And she told people ass. what to do. There was no mm -hmm. second-rate person for her. She started this whole profession, uh, and she told those doctors what to do. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Helen, do you have any, uh, do you see anything in um, your crystal wall? Or? Yeah, I think I would see growth. I would see growth in terms of numbers. I think there's going to be an increased need for the CRNA. I think as we move toward multimodal pain management and same-day surgery, everyone's looking to send the patient home that day, you know, and we're, we're doing that more and more, and surgical centers are popping up all over the place. You know, it's the big movement toward reduce hospital length of stay, reduce patient pain post-operatively. And so with all these surgery centers popping up everywhere, we need to give anesthesia to those patients, it's right? It's funny because so. I've, I saw a thing where, you know, I was looking at unemployment for CRNAs, which is almost zero because of need. And Jim, you oh, saw yeah. it. I actually saw the RAND Corporation came out with a study in 2020, and they said there was actually there's a anesthesiologist shortage. But apparently there's yeah. an overabundance of CRNAs. So my, my question is... consistent as, with a zero... Yeah. Which would be consistent, right. So my thought is that with the increase in the education and 
you know, nurse anesthetists being required to be, have doctorates? Are we going to see nurse, uh, we're going to see nurse anesthetists uh, working independently without anesthesiologists as this is going forward? They do in many states. Right. So yeah. I, I, mm -hmm. I think the big push for a lot of these, of course, with the research and everything goes, but also being able to work independently yes. throughout the country, especially with the shortage of anesthesiologists. I think so, too. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And like Chris said, they already are in many states, especially in rural areas right. um, that are underserved. There are nurse anesthetists practicing independently without and, an anesthesiologist right, right. as a supervisor. And, and I think in rural areas, most nurse practitioners work independently for those same reasons. Right. You know, yeah. those communities can't support having doctors, you know, uh, because of salaries and income and stuff like that. Right. All the more reason to, to see growth in the profession, I think. Right. Yeah. Right. So do you think they'll, you know, how they uh, grandfathered in um, nurse anesthetists to become a nurse practitioner? Do you see that happening for... They would have to. Master's program. They would have to, or they'd lose people. Well, maybe. well not necessarily. They, um, they just limit their scope of practice. Oh, well, right? I guess you could do that mm. if they wanted to. That's a good question. Well, I mean, I I, I can, you can look at it as, do you know how some hospitals are re were requiring the nurses to have a BSN? Mm -hmm. You know, in order to be, like I know in Philadelphia, in order to be a magnet hospital, 80% right. of your registered nurses needed to have a bachelor's right. degree. So that kind of pushed people to go back and get a, maybe if they had an LPN, they were going back to get a BSN. I don't know if that's going to happen w with our field, but it could. You know, I think it's too soon to tell. It's very early. They're not even all transitioned to DMP programs now. Right. But maybe someday they may say, you know, in order for our hospital to have this accreditation, we may right. have to require all our CRNAs to be right. DMP now. And then they go back to school, which hopefully... Right the hospital will pay for them right. to right. go so, back to so school. So you went through a DNP program, but what you didn't have to do was actually, you didn't end up doing research. Is that correct? Or? No, I did I did a research project. You did the research project. We all project. did a research project, yeah. Right. That was that was what we needed to graduate. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I know my son being PhD, uh, that they usually require you to have uh, so many papers published and stuff like that. Um, now I don't know, if, is that happening now in a doctorate? We weren't required to publish. It was optional, and they gave us all the resources that we needed. And I think a couple people in my graduating class did publish. They submitted their project to, uh, you know, a journal, a nursing right. journal, which is a lot of work. And it, it was a lot of extra work that, you know, at the point where you're about to graduate is we didn't, my, my group did not. But you can, you can publish, but it wasn't required. Whereas a PhD, you have, you're expected to publish, I think, so... Yeah. So, okay. ready to wrap this up? Yeah, yeah. So, um, Chris, why don't you tell our audience what advice you would like to give someone about choosing a career in your specialty? If they're thinking about it, if they're not even a nurse yet, or they're a nurse, or they're an ICU, or they're a med surge nurse. Well, financially prepare. Um, it's not cheap. Okay. And uh, your grades should reflect your wanting to be a nurse anesthetist. Um, you have to be a good student. You have to be ready to buckle down and study your butt off. Um, pick study buddies that you like and uh, 
have a couple of um, a couple years of salary. <laughs> <laughs> if you can, away somewhere. Right. Yep, yep. Make sure your family's on board if you have a family, and uh, if you don't, stay at home with your folks. <laughs> For as long as you can through school, but the payoff will be worth it. Oh my God! Way. The pay, even if you're 50 years old, um, do it. Uh, 15 if, years of making a decent salary. Frank, like that. you could well, still no, do I'm it. At 59, it's okay. <laughs> you could still do it. Uh, it's rewarding, and um, you will have no regrets. All right, Helen, what do you want to tell our audience about if they're thinking about becoming? I would say CRNA? you need you need grit, and you need Discipline and you need thick skin, which a lot of ICU nurses already have, so that's good. Yeah. And you need to study very hard. Be willing to sacrifice three years at this point of your life. It's difficult. I would say I'm 36 and CRNA school was one of the hardest things I've ever done. It's not for the faint of heart. It's very difficult. And it, But if you're ready and you're determined... You would recommend it and the payoff is it's 100 percent worth it and i would go back it. and do it again if i had to excellent yeah excellent advice and and i will say one more thing make sure you have a strong support system at home that's one of the biggest things that you can have that's everything in life actually for sure uh, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure because you're not going to succeed if you don't you need financial support and emotional mm -hmm. and mental support definitely yeah. yeah and all if you right. have all those things then Go for it because it's worth it. Very good. <laughs> All right. I think we're going to wrap it up. I think we've touched on just about everything that we can. Uh, thank you, Helen, and thank you, Chris, for coming out for, to our show. and uh, Wading through the floods and the muck. Yeah, and the, a little bit of a hurricane have, out there. They have waders and boots on underneath the yeah, table. We, just we to risked tell you. our lives to get here, but That's right. it was worth it. Jim, are we going to be able to afford these guys? Huh? <laughs> I hope they don't realize they are drinking their pay right there. <laughs> All right, so that's it for Real Talk with Real Nurses. Uh, I'm Frank DeFelice. And I'm Jim Cassis. And we're, uh, that's it for today. So thanks, thanks for watching. Thanks for having us. Say goodbye, Jim. <laughs> goodbye, Jim. <laughs> Salute. <laughs>